Hello, listeners, and welcome to this special episode of FF Plus. I'm your host, Aaron, and tonight we are going to rewrite some movie history. Before I go over all of the details on how this will work, let me introduce my fellow, not really competitors for this so much as my compadres. We are collectively going to come to a decision. We may not all agree with everything that we decide, but we're going to try. With me, I have longtime guest and friend of the show, Don Shanahan from Every Movie Has a Lesson and Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast. Hello, everybody. It's great to be here. And also, Kevin Brackett from the Real Spoilers podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. Pleasure to speak with you, I hope. You hope. See, see, <laughs> there we go. Here we go. Starting already. Yeah. <laughs> Cast in doubt. Uh, so we know there's going to be some disagreement, I should say. I almost used the word animosity. I don't think any of us are going to get angry over this, but there's going to be some differing opinions. What we have come together to do is take the 2016 movie year and decide who we think should have won a certain number of Oscars. So our categories for this particular podcast event are going to be Best Picture, Best Animated Film, Best Director, Best Original and Adapted Screenplays, Best Actor, Supporting Actor, Actress, and Supporting Actress. We're going to go through each category, and we are going to tell you what our nominees are. Afterward, we'll end up discussing some of our favorite technical highlights from the year that we decided not to do individual awards for, but we'll highlight some of those things and, and get a chance to talk about them. So the process of how we came up with our nominees. Offline, before the podcast, all three of us individually submitted a list of nominations. So up to 10 Best Picture and then up to five for each of the other category. We did our own sort of preferential ballot. We didn't do it nearly as complicated as the Oscars <laughs> does. I don't have that kind of time, folks. But we did give a point system so that your number one was weighted higher than, say, your number 10. Once I compiled all of those numbers together, we had a few ties, and I sent that out to these guys and myself as well. We all voted. And we broke the ties. And so now we have a list of nominees. What we'll do, I'll read through our list of chosen nominees. Everybody can kind of be a little bit shocked that their thing isn't there. <laughs> and then we will slowly whittle off the ones that we don't think have any chance or we, you know, we, we nominated them, but we really don't truly think that they are the award worthy. And then we'll just get into the nuts and bolts of it. We'll start having a conversation about the ones that we think could be the winner. And that's where we'll talk it out. And ultimately we'll come to a vote and we have three people that was by design. So two to one, it wins. And yeah, cause, cause if this it. was Aaron and I, it would get ugly. I think we would have a lot of 50, 50 ties. Yeah, yeah, I really do. That's why we decided that we both agreed we needed to have somebody. So Kevin is here to essentially be a tiebreaker in a lot of ways, but I actually <laughs> love what Kevin what you brought, because when I saw your list of nominees and Don's list and my list, we do obviously have a lot of crossover from this year. I think a lot of the cream of 2016 at the top was correct, basically. I think the Oscars got a lot of it right, maybe more than most years, honestly. So none of us had a huge amount of divergence, but we did have some personal favorites in there that are a little bit different. Also wanted to note that quite a few nominees will have gotten onto the list 
simply because they were so high on one ballot. Even though there are some of the nominees that were on multiple ballots, but they were so low. So, for example, if Don had a nominee at number one and it got five points, Kevin and I might have had the same movie, but we both put it at four and five. So it only got a total of three points. Don's is ahead and it's going to be in the group because he had more of a weight on it. So that's how that weighted system works. Okay. I think that that's everything. Guys, do you have any questions before we get into the categories and start going? No. Yeah. Do we have walk-off music and time if we're going to ramble on too long? <laughs> no. Do I need I... the cinephile hissy fit bell too? No, none of that? Okay. <laughs> hey, you can use the bell every once in a while. If it starts okay, to get good. out of hand, uh, I'll try to rein you in. But I, I like the bell. The bell's a cool little tool. Aaron's got his hook to drag you off stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to start with best animated film and then don't ask me why they're in the order they're in they're just literally in an order that just happens to be on my sheet we're going to end with best picture we're going to start with animated film and work our way back so for our best animated feature film our nominees and i'm going to read them in a kind of randomized order because i know obviously what the points ranking was but i don't want to read them all as a one to five because then your mind is going to kind of subconsciously know what had the highest number so i'm just going to kind of just put them all over the place i'll challenge you on the spot school teacher style read them in alphabetical order i will do the best i can quickly yes okay good <laughs> i luck. thought about i thought about going back and actually alphabetizing them and yeah. i was like now i'm busy i'm playing a video game so anyway here Priorities. we go <laughs> that's what i'm talking about <laughs> uh for best animated feature film we have kung fu panda 3 kubo and the two strings moana your name and Zootopia. Z. So, that, that's good. You're right. Yep. yep not got, bad. Not bad. <laughs> you guys are judging me on my alphabetizing. I love it. Yep. So, is there anything in this list that anybody is pretty passionate? Absolutely no brainer. A no. I, I'll go first. I think the lowest on this list is Kung Fu Panda 3. Like, a fine film, a blast. I enjoyed it better than. Kung Fu Panda 2 and right there with Kung Fu Panda 1 but considering the class of this category and the other films that are there that's the one that seems like hey it's nice that it's there a lot of fun but you've got some really knockout well well written films well animated films that are just on another level so oh, I completely agree and I, it's a five star movie for me I love it for what it yeah. is but I absolutely think that there's no way it's award worthy compared to yeah some of these other ones personally I concur I, I would take out Moana I understand there's a cultural reason not oh. to. Kevin is going to challenge that. Oh, I think. hit it, hit it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that hurts so badly. I think I think Moana is one of the most beautiful Disney films that we've had in recent memory. I, I love Encanto too, and uh, Moana and Encanto are fighting, you know, neck and neck right now. Like I, I think they're both very high up there. Um, for what it represents from a cultural perspective, as Aaron mentioned, uh, but the songs are top notch. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda doing the 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 songs; they are so good. Uh, the Rock is incredible. Um, I I just that's I mean that movie is so good, beautiful too, breathtaking animations, so the artistry behind it, the performances, the music, uh, just unbelievable. So I don't know. I think Moana is one of the best Disney things. Uh, yeah. One, you know, it's up there in recent memory. So that's so hard for me to say it can't compete. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do Moana versus Zootopia and let's whittle that down. So Ooh, we're only going to get one Disney movie. Yeah. We got So 
three distinct thing, like, styles here if we take one of those. Yeah. See, that's the thing where that shows you how good this year is when we're talking about Moana like at fourth, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, or Zootopia yeah. fourth, where that's crazy. Did Zootopia get a screenplay nomination in the big kid category, let alone this category. If I, I remember know yet. that year. Not, oh, did it? I, I might have. Yeah. I believe it, it, it did. Yeah. It was that's on a list. It like, was on one of our lists that we got submitted. I can tell you that. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, for Zootopia to kind of you know, and Disney and Pixar has been able to get some, get some crossover into non-animated categories with their screenplays and their strong work so but not disney usually right no, See, so like thing. zootopia so was, was next big. yeah Pixar wow yeah and this the, is too disney shoe. good call yeah. yeah so i mean that's saying something to me where that's the, the the piece of class that i put zootopia ahead of moana on is yes moana one of pixar's finest everything kevin said in terms of beauty and speed but man zootopia when you when you crack it to that next level of of headspace that's where yeah, i yeah. give it an itch I agree. I, I I love them both, but I think Zootopia, the the content, the screenplay, and and what it's saying is is so powerful. So on you know on those merits, I would edge it out. I would as well. I would. You put Zootopia over Moana. Zootopia. I Actually, would. yeah, I'm not a Moana fan. I think it's See, fine. Again, like we're talking greats. We're not talking about like no. Everything on these lists are usually good movies, so I'm not dogging True. Moana. I'm just okay. Saying, I was gonna say if we're nice, comparing, guys. it's been fun. <laughs> See, I'm yeah. that guy. I'm that guy that's gonna put Zootopia ahead of the next thing I think you're gonna bring up, which is Kubo and Two Strings. I put Zootopia higher than that. I know you would, and I I think Kevin probably will agree with you. Mm. Uh, is that is that a case, Kevin? It is. Yeah, I'm not even gonna fight then because there's nothing I can do because <laughs> I'm already lost. I'm just going to tell you, Kubo and the Two Strings is a phenomenal film. And if it wasn't for an all-time like masterpiece for me personally this year, Kubo was my like no-brainer winner. And it is my favorite of a studio who I adore everything they make. And I think it's just a, an incredible, incredible, incredible film. But I get it. So we'll knock it out. Is. We'll knock it, out can Kubo. I, can I mention something real quick that's going to preface all of this that we're talking about tonight? Yes. The difficult thing about this is that we already mentioned the Oscars pretty much got it right. They were very close, at least. It's not like they were that far off. We're talking about an elite class of films here, you know, as far as the artistry behind them, the the, the writing. I mean, it's not like there are really any bad choices here. So it's so difficult when you bring up Kubo and it's like, yeah, of course, that's incredible. But Zootopia is so impactful in the message and the amount of people that it reaches where it's like, I don't even want to pit them against each other ever. They both exist. They're both incredible. So by us saying Zootopia does something just a little bit edging it out, doesn't mean it's any less Kubo's any less of a masterpiece. It's I interesting you say agree. that because, like, it's interesting you say that because there are, I think every year, because when these nominations come out, we all get on the water cooler and buzz about them, where we're like, oh my god, how'd that make the field, or why why was this snubbed? The five nominees that we voted on and made to me are as rock solid, top to bottom as they can be. Yet you go look at the actual Oscars and two little sneaky foreign little guys snuck in there. And it was like the Red Turtle and the Zucchini movies or something like that. So like, I remember, trust me. I remember. Yeah, I know. So like, th- this is a situation where I think we got it better than the Oscars. No offense to Red Turtle and Zucchini, but yeah. Well, there's it's- actually two Japanese anime films that didn't get submitted. So the other one that we haven't mentioned, Your Name, is in this category. Mm-hmm. And both it and another film called The Silent Voice, which is also like a dadgum masterpiece in animation and anime style neither one of them were even on the short list for 
they didn't have a chance. Did and, that and one I make? Think, did that one make your ballot for this little thing tonight? Oh, absolutely. A yeah, Silent yeah. Voice is like top five all time anime film for me. So, Dang. and a lot of people haven't seen it, and that's understandable. You know, your name kind of at least caught the zeitgeist and has been seen since, so we can deal with that. But yeah, I agree. It's just a really tough, tough year. Um, but and this is what we have to remind people about awards in general, though they are fun. It's fun to follow along and yes. root for the movie you think. Thank that you. It, but but it's five movies of an in a category of an entire year of amazing films. So well said. No matter what, who wins or loses, these films stand on their own merit. They will be celebrated. I, I, of course, everyone wants the Oscar. It's a great thing to have, but not receiving that recognition, even in nomination form, at the end of the day, does not change the amazing work. Hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. With that being said, I think it probably comes down to your name and Zootopia here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that obviously I'm going to vote. I'm telling you right now, I'm voting for your name. So it's going to come down to you too because. There is no question about this in my mind. This is a film that has touched me so deeply and I think has captured the romance in a way that is not too dramatic for an adult, but is also not too childish for kids. It's an actual kind of young adult, teenage friendship and romance, and it just handles everything so brilliantly. It's got the science fiction kind of flair that you would get in a Christopher Nolan movie, but with so much just color and joy and sweetness and some sadness. And there's nothing I don't love about this film. It is just infinitely rewatchable. The score and the soundtrack are amazing. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. I don't think that there is anyone that can animate quite like Makoto Shinkai. And he has a distinct style that is just jumps off of the screen at you in brightness and in the way that the colors are drawn. And so for me, it's like a no brainer because I think it is something different. Whereas the thing that I knock Zootopia down a notch for me when it comes to this type of level is that there is nothing about this as an animation film that is at all interesting. Like it, it looks like slightly better than the Fox and the Hound, you know, like I, and I know that's an exaggeration, but I'm saying <laughs> there's nothing about the animation that is particularly great. It's good. It's solid animals walking around and doing things in a city. You know, it's there's nothing astounding about it. The script is great and the way that it has a message is great, but I don't think it tells a narrative story that is anywhere near as interesting and deep as your name. So set my piece. I'll let you guys. Kevin, you get the, you pop in the next vote here. Okay. Well, See, this is why this is so hard. I'm not a huge awards guy. I, I like to see who wins. I think it's fun. But it, this is really hard for me um, because I know that the reasons you're saying, Aaron, are so valid. And I I, I love that you get to uh, pr- you know preach about this film, that you get to spread how much you love it and talk about it. And that's the recognition. Just It doesn't have an Oscar, but it has people that love, love it. And so I love that you're doing that. Um, for me, I'm going to go Zootopia if it's not already obvious. And I just because when we're talking about the big picture of things and, and I love the way that your name touched you and, uh, you know, and other people. But with Zootopia, to me, it's making this message, this such an important message, so accessible 
to the masses, but doing it in a way that does not compromise its entertainment factor, its ability to, you know, take the kids to the movies or, you know, that's have kids love the jokes and the bright colors and, and all that fun stuff. Um, but you're introducing them to stuff that they don't see every day and that they should be more aware of. And Zootopia I, is, is that perfect balance of kids movie and adult uh, subject matter or adults that will understand it but still be entertained and and, and you know it, it it really is i think a phenomenal film and that's why if you remember how much money that thing made at the box office and how they were releasing the blu-rays and dvds and zootopia was still in theaters like that was a phenomenal film so that shows you how kids and the general audiences loved it but uh look at also the message and how important that is more than ever now and and uh the fact that they took their you know yearly or whatever their I mean, their their team's working on it for four years or whatnot, but you know they chose their next big project was going to be Zootopians to spread this message, and I think it's a really special film and and a beautiful one too. I get what Aaron means by the style, but you know if you look at animation at the time and how Disney's always improving one on another, I do think if you were looking for it, you would see the finer details and things that for the time period made it look really good for the style it was made in. Um, but yeah, I, I love Zootopia. Your name, uh, by the way, was the highest grossing all-time anime film in the box office, breaking Spirited Away's record, just so you know, up until Demon Slayer last year. So we yeah, can for put sure. the, the box office is a wash. No, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> no, no, that's great. And that's a great accomplishment, too. But that's the thing, too. I mean, not to, I'm real quick. Anime and CG or hand-drawn, those are different styles of animation. And it's so subjective. And you can't say one is better than very, the other. Very, very true. Right? So it's like, yeah anime beautiful art style but zootopia i think really incredible cg style for what it was doing so you know these are all different ways to tell stories and impressive in their own rights and again we're talking about here's five nominees for a whole year of movies so it's like they're both such winners don but i get to break this time well i think the messages of both of them are completely worthy i think the visuals of both of them are completely worthy but i think your names are better if i'm doing a tiebreaker vote i'm not to repeat what aaron has said but I'll put the value to, um, I will give the edge because of how the trends have been where hand-drawn animation doesn't get as much respect as it used to. And I got to tip my hat where if I'm going to put messages on the same level, the visuals of your name, take it. it's an animation category where Zootopia deserves its chance to compete in the, in the screenplay category as it did because of its smart storytelling. But yep, I'm going to put your name here in the animated category. Great. Outstanding. All right. Hopefully the rest of these will take a <laughs> I don't think right. I think the movie ones take a little longer than the performances probably. I think so. We'll Maybe. find out. We'll find and out. We're kind of we're all kind of addressing our backgrounds and picadillos about where we're coming from with this and that'll no, it's good stuff. where we are. It's good stuff. But we do know like we love all these movies. So yeah. we've we've established that. I hate to sound like I, I feel so much like everyone's a winner. I mean, seriously, I genuinely believe these things. And I know sometimes it can sound a little hokey, but it's it's so impressive what these films have accomplished and uh, telling these amazing stories to where seriously, like, again, I don't invest a ton in awards. They're fun. I enjoy it. I love that people love them. But like, yeah, there's there's so much to appreciate with films not even on the list, as we've just mentioned that like the official list. Yep, Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to move on to the screenplay categories. We're going to start with Best Original Screenplay. So for Best Original Screenplay, we came up with these nominees. Let me do my alphabet in my head real quick. Okay, we have Hell or High Water, written by Taylor Sheridan. Jackie, written by Noah Oppenheim. La La Land by Damien Chazelle. Your Name, again, from Makoto Shinkai. 
and Zootopia from Jared Bush and Phil Johnston. Ooh, two animation movies in the screenplay category. That's my hat tip is there. Yeah, that's got to be pretty rare. I don't think that the Academy ever would do that. <laughs> so. so clearly we appreciate animation. Yeah, maybe more than most. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to throw one out there now. And that is so for me, Jackie is completely was nowhere on my list. And there's only one of us that had nominated it. And Kevin just gave me a thumbs down. So I think I understand. We got to cut something off. So we're going to cut yeah. that off first. I, I am the guy who had Jackie at third. I really admire what Pablo Rain can do with, with female characters and take an original story out of history. But yeah, that is easily the, the fifth and lowest spot. Here. Okay. The other one that received the lowest kind of vote along with it would be Zootopia. Mm. So I personally would throw out Zootopia in this one. I don't think for me it's best original screenplay worthy. I think it's great. I think it's really good work for an animated film, but I can't see it coming. There are three all-timers for me in this category personally, and so Zootopia is my next one out. I don't know if you guys would agree. I, I was stacking the deck with preferential voting where I had Zootopia at two just to get your name some points at one. But I would vote Zootopia ahead of your name. So, but it's floating in that middle where, well, you've got a film on here that you call an all timer that's not even on my ballot. So that's Hell or High Waters, where that's my baby with the bathwater first one I'd toss out. But I'll let you guys debate where the next one goes. Oh, man. This is again so hard because I think Zootopia is so important for what it's saying. And, and again, the audience, I it really, really is. Our screenplay wise, though, like when I talk to Aaron and I'm like, am I going to as far as the writing, the dialogue and, and, and everything in Hell or High Water, for instance, I, that's hard for me to say, you know, what I put. I, well, I, then here, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, let's eliminate one of the animated ones. Your name or Zootopia? Yeah, I'm going your name. Just like <laughs> unquestioned. Uh, where are you going, Kevin? Zootopia? I'm going Zootopia. I would, too. Okay. So your okay. name is the next shade. So your name and Jackie are out. Yep. But be very happy with your best animated feature win. That's huge. I know. I'm very I'm okay. through the roof. <laughs> right. My daughter okay. right. is already, like, we had a conversation, and I had marching orders. So <laughs> you can believe what some of them are, knowing what <laughs> movies are in this. This is probably her favorite year of film all time. Yeah. Um, so we've got rid of your name. We get rid of Jackie. So we have Zootopia, who you guys like a lot, going up against Hell or High Water and La La Land. Now, I know Don is not a Hell or High Water fan. It is my number one. <laughs> so I think it is an incredible achievement in writing. I'm going Hell or High Water. Over La La Land. Oh, over Zootopia. Okay, over so Zoot well, all right, so, let's go there. I'm going Hell or High Water over Zootopia as well. So I know you said it's your number one. Yeah, I would yeah, take yeah. Zootopia, but the Hell or High Water crosses that out, so keep on going. So we're down to Hell or High Water and La La Land. So Don, <laughs> yeah, give me <laughs> your you... <laughs> explanation because Hell or High Water is not a film that you are a big fan of. So why are you I'm, going La La Land? I'm not. Um, I feel like, and maybe this comes out in performance more than screenplay, but um, I feel like I've seen the Podunk Western done in better places, or it, it, what doesn't help for me is by the time it gets to performance with the screenplay, like fine screenplay, but by the time you dump Ben Foster doing the same Ben Foster twitchy thing, by the time Rooster Cogburn comes back in 2016 to do the same Jeff Bridges thing, uh, I just feel like that screenplay loses a little bit of weight. Love Chris Pine, love the attitude of the film, 
it's a buzzsaw of an of an idea in social commentary. But in this category, when I look at the other things that are possible, I just see more important things. I've also think Taylor Sheridan was better the year before with Sicario. Simple as that. Where I don't want to call this a sophomore slump by any means, but it just isn't what other things are. Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the tiebreaker because these are both films in my top 100 of all time. So, Kevin, you give me your piece <laughs> on these two. Yeah, I mean the fact that you do this to me. I mean, you know how much I love La La Land. I think Heller High Water is incredible. So I, you know, it's like, how do you even do this to me? I think La La Land is, I mean, I just said it, but I really do think that is a phenomenal film. Uh, as much as people think it's cool to bag on it lately, which I totally don't get, but La La Land brought back the movie musical to new heights. It is such a classic Hollywood type, you know, Singing in the Rain, I think is one of the best films ever made. And I think La La Land is incredible and brought back that feeling and that type of movie. Uh, so for me, being a musical guy, La La Land's so special, and I, I, I think it's incredible. Uh, but screenplay-wise, I mean, Hell or High Water is incredible. It's a modern Western. It's one of the best modern Westerns we've had. Like Since then, I've been kind of hoping we get more Hell or High Waters. Uh, and I, I think it's phenomenal. I think all three of those performances are top-notch. So... Uh, I'm going to go with Hell or High Water. I'll throw one thing in. I know I'm going to lose this because I can see where Hell or High Water is going. Mm -hmm. One thing I try to look at with screenplays is the in-betweens past the dialogue because I know those screenplays have to chop up and mock up what the scenes are to go with the crackling dialogue they have or don't have. And that's like, like for example, with Zootopia. Like how do you put these big ideas into looks in terms of – it looks as much as you do dialogue. And that's a place where I put La La Land over Hell or High Water because – when you get to that staging and scenes and set pieces part, there's nothing special about Hell or High Water other than one weak-ass shootout at the end. So where when I look at the score, well, I'm sorry, when I look at the screen of the La La Land, not only do I have this revival of music and all that, and I and you have this wonderful layered romance, but then there's somebody that says, hey, camera's got to go here and shoot through here and shoot through here and get through here and get hit this mark, hit this mark, and all the in-betweens that aren't dialogue. I put La La Land a thousand times ahead of La High Water, but I'm going to lose, and that's okay. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I see now this hurts. Like this is this is so painful. You're I don't know why. To choose something over La La Land. I chose. I, I know. I chose the shame year, on you. The year of like all of my favorite movies. Yeah. Right. I mean, this truly is like painful. I, I mean, I am a Taylor Sheridan guy. I consume all of his stuff. Even you know, some of it's not the best in the world ever, but he when he hits this vibe and does it at a high level, it is phenomenal. And I think that the performances have a lot to do with it. And so it's hard because with the screenplay, you're trying to separate that somewhat. You're trying to say, well, what if it wasn't those people? Like would the actual plot and the writing and all of this work? Well, look I, at, uh, look at uh, Heat, which look at Al Pacino uh and uh robert de niro in in the diner doing that scene yeah and and uh have you seen the tv yeah. michael man tv show scene with basically no. the same script and two different actors so yeah. look at actors how... elevate and that's why how i want to take the dump for me is it's it's to me lesser actors. yeah so but look me... at but from the other perspective though i mean that uh if if that's the same script and no one was talking about that tv show 
and the same exact script by better actors and all of a sudden it's like that's an incredible scene and you're talking about the script so it's funny how your brain plays tricks yeah. on you where it always was that script i mean no he tweaked it a little but the script was pretty much there but man when those actors elevated it and you saw what what he saw in his head when he imagined actors performing that scene you're like oh that's the scene that's the script i think you gotta <laughs> I, can't, vote here. I can't i don't even <laughs> yeah, say what the words okay. that are about to come out of my mouth are literally sacrilegious I'm going to hug my autographed La La Land vinyl right now as you deliver this answer. <laughs> I think someone else could have written La La Land, potentially. Ooh. I think that there, I think someone could get close. I, okay. Man, I don't know. But like, it's uh, so. I think, I've I, seen, that's the thing. I see Winter's Bone. I've seen the Podunk Western. Done yeah, no, those aren't, don't, don't touch this movie. This movie is so much Come deeper on, and layered so than that great. with its relationship work and its commentary on Mark this whole bike. West Texas depression era kind of stuff. No, it's absolutely no. phenomenal. I make a vote. I can't go against Damien Chazelle. I, I can't, I cannot go t- against Damien Chazelle. I, I think that no way. Are you changing your vote? Just be- wow. be- no, because I'm, La La Land. No, I'm <laughs> working that? through it in real time, man. It's not <laughs> okay. easy. I'm going to replace every he's gonna, answer point towards He's going to edit the podcast water. later with like a different voice. Uh, hell or hot water. Yeah, I can't. You, I, you literally made every, you, your answer was hell or hot water the entire time. And then you no. changed it because La La Land. Okay, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. right. It is. It's yeah, hell or high the, water. It is. Yeah. It is hell or high okay. water. Okay. I have Good job. Good always job. truly believed that that screenplay is, is elite. And I, I okay, we're just going to move on. I, I'll say it like this. Like, I also think of the Oscars as a place to spread the wealth too. And this is the spot to give Hell or High Water some love. Simple as that. Like other I hate when sometimes I don't like when one movie dominates and wins all these categories just because it's it. Whereas That's a good this call. is yeah. the spot. Okay. All right, cool. Hell or High Water for best original mm-hmm. screenplay. Moving on. <laughs> and next so we I thought... want to hear Don's take on uh, Return of the King winning all the Oscars. Probably another episode. <laughs> well, that, see, that's an arts and technical darling that should sweep yeah. everything every damn year. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Best Adapted Screenplay. Our nominees are Arrival by Eric Heisserer, Fences, August Wilson, Lion, Luke Davies, A Monster Calls, Patrick Ness, and Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, and Terrell McCraney. Mm, read those one more time arrival film title fences lion a monster calls and moonlight okay and the the tricky thing here guys (laughs) it's so much for like a compact podcast time is that right our votes on this those of us like our tops are all different and so i don't even know how to throwing out like ones is going to be tough I'll, I'll offer one here. Um, okay. I think, um, and I it's only because it didn't make my list, but I I have to think it's low on other people's list. I think Fences, being a play adapted for the screen, um, there's some training wheels there that I don't think are as complicated when you bring a novel. There's an also from an events and things standpoint, like that's a, I don't want to say it's too small of a movie in terms of screenplay and, and what it has to do, but Fences to me seem fine, wonderful things, five star films to me, but like. From a screenplay standpoint, August Wilson did the work. No one really had to do much else. So I, I completely concur. For me, Fences and Lion are the two that are yeah. fine, good, maybe even worthy of this category, but I could take and leave. I, I'm not going to look back on Fences or Lion personally and be like, 
that's a screenplay I remember for all time. Right. Well, and because, at, because because I think it's a play you'd remember for all time, right? And I based on what Don was saying, I think Fences is incredible and those performances they oh show my, up. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. Fences is but, not going away in this podcast. So <laughs> Yeah. But, no, but but maybe the performances are where it's good more than that automatic play in script. Yeah, it's just I think it is a very I don't want to say easy. These people make it look easy. But as far as the transition, like Don said, I I agree that it it uh, maybe doesn't take as much to adapt it because it was already pretty much there. Um, so, yeah, I'd be OK with going over fences. What about Lion? Can we knock Lion off of here, too? And this. Yeah. And this list, I can. I, I think it it's really good. But I agree going up against these other ones. Yeah, let's just drop it. That okay. leaves us with the rival Moonlight and the Monster Calls, right? Yes, strong feelings. Shoot them out. Mine Kevin. is a mo- mine oh. is a Monster Calls. So um, is Kevin's, but I think it's the other way around. <laughs> go oh, okay, ahead. Okay. You go first, Don. Yeah, I don't know. I'll make my small case for what's going to lose next week is a Monster Calls. Um, what I was just saying before was just kind of that degree of difficulty, and uh, when you have the fantasy realm that you do with the Monster Calls, and then those very heavy. The very heavy themes, but also, like I said, just that the fantasiness and the theme. And I've read the book. I've heard uh, Jason Isaacs do the audiobook. The movie goes in directions different than the book and has a wider, wonderful open ending, which is great. And so what the film had to do to kind of translate that and then also kind of extend and expand the way they did, I just really adore it for what it can do. I know it's not making it past two all-timers that are next here, but I'll, that's my piece on this. And also, kind of the one spot it would have a chance as well, whereas the rival can win a few things in other places. And we know Moonlight's the start of the year, so. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a big a Monster Calls guy, and I hate that for you, Don, because I mean I love how passionate you are about it. It just didn't work for. I didn't read the book, but the movie didn't do it for me, so I don't know where the, you know, discrepancy is there. But uh, unfortunately, I'm going to say Monster Calls. Nah, no, no problem. I did read the book years before the movie and had everybody I know read the book because I thought the book was so impressive and moving. And I thought this mm. wasn't just uh, a top-notch adaptation in every way. Uh, it is very difficult to get this layer of fantasy mm. and deep, deep emotionally effective storytelling to come across in both that very serious adult manner and the things that it's dealing with, but also keep it accessible for kids and i think it was done expertly do you I think your book do you think your experiences both of you with the book helped that movie out in that regard because i just didn't... probably i don't think I, it was the I screenplay was my next line i don't yeah, think the I, screenplay is fine i think it's yeah. the direction that for me is Fair. like more of it's, a yeah. what i did the book after the movie Oh, only to be blown away more by the movie. So that was after. Oh, that's exactly. nice. Yeah, but for uh, me, there's no way. Like it, it does not come. T- it doesn't touch Moonlight and Arrival for me. So I, I'm there too. No problem. Okay, so both of these films, Moonlight and Arrival. Well, mm-hmm. only one of them had all three of us vote for it. So oh, I know where this. Is. Anybody want to make a case for Arrival before we <laughs> vote? Nope. No, I don't. I, I I go Moonlight in this. Yeah. Like I have to. So yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that was yeah, easy. But Moonlight is easy. You have that triptych of storytelling and you know, amazing lines and dialogue. And also, the, the merger of themes that we talked about that are difficult to do. And yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, when we're talking about like how much impact Zootopia has and, and what it has to say. And Moonlight has so much to say and is 
is uh, really masterfully crafted uh, the screenplay. Yeah, yeah I, it's great. No, not gonna rival for being a, a ballsy right. science fiction thing that's got some layers to it, but not not the layers of Moonlight. Has. All yeah. right, so Moonlight wins best adapted screenplay. No, just and kidding. It's actually La La Land. No, it's La La Land. Woo. We're gonna give it to La La Land. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I will. I will say to tag onto the rival thing that uh, Villeneuve has never made a bad movie. True. Oh, absolutely not. No, he is not. Even the ones that people haven't seen. Polytechnique yeah, for me is like in his you know top four or five, and most people haven't even seen it, and it's yeah. just incredible. So, okay, Moonlight best adapted screenplay. Moving next, we're gonna go best supporting actress, and okay. our nominees are Felicity Jones, A Monster Calls. Look at that. Janelle Monet, Hidden Figures, Naomi Harris, Fences. I think I got the letters backwards. You don't. That's Naomi Harris for Moonlight. Moonlight. That's that's correct. I wrote down the yeah. wrong thing. Naomi Harris for Moonlight. Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea, and Viola Davis for Fences. So okay. one more time: Felicity Jones, Janelle Monet, Naomi Harris, Michelle Williams, and Viola Davis. They are my exact five. So that was easy. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm personally suggesting Janelle Monet and Felicity Jones get thrown out. I love that they're in this category and they got nominees. Yeah. Glad they got invited to the ceremony. Yeah. Get to see their name in lights. Maybe Monet's, get a bigger paycheck next time yeah. around. But no, Monet is it's a it's uh it's a nice part in a big ensemble, too slight of a part compared to everybody else. And then in Jones, let's be honest, she spends most of her time in bed, you know, just just looking sad and Nice part for her, but same thing. Not where these other ladies are. What about you, Kevin? Any any debates I'm, there? I'm fine with that. I, I do love that we nominated Janelle Monet over Octavia Spencer, who yes, was better part nominated for the Oscar. And I thought that Janelle Monet was much better as well. So that was really cool to see us come together on that. So that leaves us with Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea, Naomi Harris in Moonlight, and Viola Davis in Fences. I got the next nominee to drop here. I think as much as Moonlight is a stud film, Naomi Harris, kind of like other characters in that movie, when you only get them for a a chapter out of three, it's just too slight of a part. Now, don't get me wrong. We've had Best Supporting Actresses win for very small parts and and big impactful moments. The Judy Dench, Shakespeare in Love stuff. But Naomi Harris, to me, is the next shave because it's just too small of a part compared to other ladies. No argument here whatsoever. Agreed. Okay. Probably the best thing she's ever done, but just too small of a place. So like the Oscars, it comes down to Viola yeah, <laughs> Davis and Michelle Williams, which they absolutely mm-hmm. got right. Like these two yeah. powerhouse, memorable performances. Does anybody have a case they want to make? Kevin's real first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is I'm getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty here where, like you just said, those are two great nominees and two great performances. So no matter who wins, whether it's them or even the other nominees, uh, official or ours, it's these are all incredible performances. Um, But I'm going to give the edge to Viola Davis in Fences because I think it was just an incredible role. And uh, that's that's where I'm going. I will tip my hat to Viola Davis because. Her winning this Oscar was, was important and necessary and it was a great part for her. It's a lead part and she cheated a little to be over here in supporting actress at the same time. But no, um, in our alternate Oscar history, I'd like to think that if we time traveled and did the Oscars from 2012 and 2013, she would have won already with Aaron, you and me. 
for the help when she deserved it a long time ago. Well, we wouldn't need to come back and give her this Oscar, but a person who's never gotten an Oscar for amazing work that she's done, and I'm going to admit to being an Oscar voter that gives a career resume award, but Michelle Williams deserves this, and it's also a very powerful part. I know she doesn't go to the same height and volume of places that Viola does, and no one can. Viola is Viola's violent, but this this was a really special and unique thing from the best sad actress in the whole wide world, which is Michelle Williams. And sometimes, kind of like the big guy in a battle role, the saddest lady needs to win the saddest award. <laughs> Aaron, where are you at? You got I'm a Williams voter. He's a Davis voter. So I'm with you. I think that Viola Davis is category fraud. <laughs> and oh, yep. I, it, it happens, and you got to deal with it. It is what it is. You can be the lead actor. You could be no. the most the most leading of the actresses yeah. and have the lead actors be male and still not. I know. Lost me the word lead. I know the Sorry. semantics of it, yeah. but I yeah. watched this movie and my eye test, no doubter, Viola Davis is the commanding performance throughout the film. She is not supporting yeah. it. Now I know the plot which is what suggests that she is yeah. supporting. That being said, that's not my decision okay. that's not why okay. i'm deciding between okay. i think that michelle williams makes this movie what it is and it's not anything without her i agree lynchpin i think casey is great too but mm-hmm. i i think michelle williams is more important to manchester by the sea than viola davis is to fences that yeah. is how I'm going to determine this because they are my one and two. Like, I mean, it, like yeah. every other category. So for me, I, I think I have to go with Michelle Williams because of that. Well, I got another question for you that kind of goes with this is um, and I'm with you with Michelle Williams, where if she isn't the I don't want to say the victim, but if she's not the 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 ancillary to all the things that happen to Affleck's character, you're right. That doesn't work. So for whereas, yeah. You put another powerful actress in there and they can be the Denzel's wife part, you know. So I question for you on this. What in a revisionist way that we were thinking about this, were any of you tempted to put Viola in your best actress voting? I sure was. I was gonna correct category fraud here. Uh, no, if we would have talked about, about that ahead of time, I might have. I'd have yeah, to that's yeah. interesting. Because I, I would and it she well, wouldn't she, that's our next I wouldn't category. bet an eye. Let's okay. decide this and then we'll, okay. we'll kind of I'm a Williams guy. I'm going with Williams, so I guess it's it fair. It's a great performance, <laughs> and she's she's phenomenal. So how could you be mad at that? All right. I mean, unless you're Viola, and you might be like, "Hey, wait a second, <laughs> right?" <laughs> okay, Michelle Williams, best supporting actress. So now let's do best actress. All right. And here are nominees. Oh, absolutely. Just I mean, like the first one I'm about to read, or second one. So Amy Adams, Arrival. Mm-hmm. Annette Bening, 20th Century Woman. Natalie Portman, Jackie, I skipped Emma Stone in La La Land, and Ruth Negan Loving. So we have Amy Adams, Annette Bening, Emma Stone, Natalie Portman, and Ruth Nega. Okay. So yes, I would have Viola Davis in that five. She There's no doubt. People in that category. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I personally would toss Annette Bening. So I'll let the one person that voted for Annette Bening make their case. That's you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, this is. This was another one of them where when Aaron asked me about my questions, just making sure that we were all on the same page about things. And I was just like, 
You know, I've got my number one or two that I think really could fight for for the award, the actual win, and then the others phenomenal performances. You're talking about three, four, and five of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, fifty amazing performances of the year. So you know what I mean? At some point, it's really hard. And then also we got into this thing which we haven't talked about yet, but uh, you know, favorite versus best. There are there are you films me. and there are actors here where I they are my favorite. And I say, ooh, but I guess I'm not going to vote for him for best. So it's yeah. it's just it's difficult because uh, you have to sometimes separate that to what affects me personally. Like, oh, it's my mm-hmm. favorite and I love it, but was it really technically? Even though it's still subjective, but do you really think it was the technically best? And so here I'm just going to say Annette Benning has a gravitas to her. Uh, whenever she shows up for a film, I think she's so good. Um, you know, no matter how big or small the role, and and I thought it was nominee worthy, but I can see dropping her off, so I'm not going to fight you guys on it. Okay, anybody want to make another case for somebody to get drunk, knocked off out of this list? Uh, probably Ruth Megan. I mean, it, it does it doesn't help my brain of pretending to time travel that she's our that she just did passing, which is better than what she did in loving. Well, right, exactly. Hard. Like, that we, is we definitely are, hard. Yeah, it's hard because I know she just not got something better than this, but uh, slight. Uh, but it's um, it's a slight performance in a somewhat slighter movie compared to the other people who are here. Um, wonderfully done, and also a place where if she's not almost like we said with Williams, if she's not the reactionary person next to Edgerton. This movie also does that movie also then doesn't work, but it's kind of unfortunately the wife role, which isn't a lot compared to what these other ladies are doing. Okay, then let's Portman, Adams, and Stone, right? Portman, Adams, and Stone. And I want to throw a wrinkle in here. Oh, and Davis. So if oh, we can all agree okay. that she okay. is worthy of this category. I'll, let's put her name now. in this yeah. group. So sure i think this is stunning this is like one of those like world series moments where you call a so starter into I'm gonna, anything, you here's know? my thing with emma stone absolutely phenomenal performance makes the movie it's a favorite over a best there's Same no here. way i can make that argument from an acting standpoint <laughs> i agree i think over honestly to me over amy adams and over viola davis mm-hmm. i i think natalie portman's good yeah. But I loved her more in like Black Swan. So I've for me, like I've already got given her kind of her top. And as I, much as I love Emma, don't I mean yeah. we all know I'm proud of you. like I'm see, proud these of are you. the top choices I'm talking about. <laughs> it favorite sucks. versus best. It really yeah. sucks. No, I'm I'm super proud of you for saying that because I was on it as soon as Kevin brought up favorite versus best, that's exactly where I thought of Emma Stone too. Like like same thing from a technical standpoint, it's nice to see her elevate her talent to some better material and also sing and a bit of dance and that's all well and good but not when you have some of these other things that are just on another level yeah oh boy it's and then yeah as the one guy who voted portman portman was my number one and i think she was better not alone okay (laughs) oh i think portman was better in jackie than she was in black swan but here we are with is this one of the best things Adam's ever done? She's never won. And he, now you just throw in Viola Davis. And this is one of the best things Viola Davis has done. And at that point, you act like won. this is complicated or something. This is really complicated. <laughs> All right. I got, I need help. You guys talk where these three can live. Okay. What are the three again? Remind me. So Viola Davis, Portman, Adams, and Stone. Well, we're dropping Stone because okay. Don and I agree. So Amy Adams, Natalie Portman, and Viola Davis. 
Yeah, I mean, I Jackie next... didn't Jackie didn't work for me. Okay, okay. you know, and and uh, I think easy. yeah. So I mean, that's just gone. Um, okay. Aaron, you're cool with Jackie getting shaved here. Yeah, I, I didn't. Re- so I was the one who had it actually as my second overall. I mean, I I love the performance. I just when we put Viola Davis in the category, yep, and even with Amy Adams being my third, I think if we look at historical kind of like their overall body of work yeah, and what they've done and what they've deserved to be recognized for and understanding that they're both phenomenal in their individual films. Like I have, I slightly go Adams over Portman here, which puts us at Adams and Viola Davis. If Portman doesn't win for black Swan, is she higher? Probably. Same here. Yeah, I'm with you though. Okay. Adams and Davis. Here we go. Ooh. This is this someone is needs to make a case for Adams. Go ahead. I'm I'm the non category fraud guy here, and so I I don't see it that way. So my argument's the exact is what yours was for the other. You know, what I mean, like it, I I think Amy Adams is phenomenal, and she she has had so many amazing roles, and I think that it this one is deserving, right? It's this isn't even a makeup career one, but if she's gonna win the Oscar, I'm good with it here. And uh, I definitely mm. think she needs to be recognized. So I, I'm leaning towards A.B. Adams on this one. And obviously, I think Viola Davis is amazing because I voted for her in the other category. Aaron? I, I don't, man. I, <laughs> uh, is it bad that I just don't want this to be Oscar so white? Because <laughs> it's going to go that Here way. Go. Yeah. But I voted for Viola on the other I'm one. I'm kidding. Dear listeners. I know. So. I know. No, <laughs> I mean, we've, they're nominated. All these people are nominated for a reason. I yeah. think that Amy Adams, yes, has more of a performance to give and has more ranges to hit and is a hundred and thousand percent deserving of the award. And so it's incredibly, incredibly tough, man. In to, a sci-fi film that doesn't the sci-fi does not get recognized like yeah. this and look at the caliber obviously villain of that's his thing look here we are and how impressive his sci-fi films can be but yeah yeah i mean gosh look at women in villainous films too i mean you got mm-hmm. chastain in sicario and you've got emily blunt in rebecca, or emily blunt in sicario yeah. and you got rebecca ferguson and the way that she you know turns out in dune he's very good with them i I think it has to be Adams for me. So I guess that seals it. I'll be I'll be I'll be the one Davis voter here where I as much as Amy Adams has never won and has deserved to win, I still think if we're playing, you know, long term long long play, she'll have more bites of the up in the violet Davis where my vote here would be Davis, but I completely understand this, why Adams wins. But this is so hard. Again, I'm not we're talking when we start talking about make goods and career achievements and more chances, see, it's so unfair because it is, it's a hundred percent unfair. You should be recognized for the work, but there's only so many nominations. Like we talked about earlier. It's because we don't want to choose. Yeah. It's only, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, going with performance, going with performance for the, for the film that we're talking about, the actual film, you know, and, and, and the categories and those things, I'm, I'm going Amy Adams. Yeah. Okay. okay. So best actress, Amy Adams arrival. So Ooh. that takes us to best supporting actor. So for best supporting actor, we have Ashton Sanders for Moonlight. 
Ben Foster, Hell or High Water, Issy Ogata for Silence, Jeff Bridges, Hell or High Water, and Mahershal. Come on. All right. Okay. I'm for sorry. Moonlight. Yeah. Let me read the okay. deck. I'm nominees. Sorry. Yeah. So we have Ashton Sanders, Ben Foster, Issy Ogata, Jeff Bridges, and Mahershala Ali. The interesting thing here is that four of the five spots are for two movies, mm-hmm. which is incredibly rare and unique. Right. Yeah. Anybody want to dump somebody right off the bat? I sure do. I've yeah, seen ben, I saw you I, over there with ben I've Foster. Seen, I've seen Ben Foster do the twitchy thing every movie he's ever been in. 310 to Yuma, 30 Days a Night. Nothing he did in Hell or High Water was more special than other things he'd done. Same thing with Jeff Bridges doing Rooster Cogburn 2. Oh. In, in, no, absolutely not. For, at least for me, but I know I'm going to get outboarded by you two classes. I'm not. I One mean, of them has to go. Shake. Tell you what, I, that's what we should do here. Okay, shave one that's fair. Water guy, share one, shave one. So I'll tell you, guy. I'm a Ben Foster in this category, and I and I'll tell you, it's because he's not just twitchy Ben Foster. It's because oh, there is an emotional Lord. resonance to this that Ben Foster does not typically ever hit. He kind of comes. Leave no trace. Yeah, I said typically. Yeah, Don, good. Nominate him for that. Not after this. No, but I'm just saying. You say he's always this. There, there is a lot more nuance to his yeah. performances. But anyway, not go in this on, one. Aaron. Not in this. One. <laughs> yeah, he's also uh, very good in. Ah, crap. Now I can't remember the name of the film, but anyway. All of them. He's good in everything. I think he's he's great in everything. I do too. The coolest thing I've seen him in is is the program where he played Lance Armstrong. What's the one? Was the the messenger with Woody Harrelson when he's going door to door? There you go. Look how different. I'm just saying the range. He's been in so many. How many in for that one? But I will give you you that the Jeff Bridges performance, while incredibly good to me, is very much more like some of the performances he's done before. Well, when he so. did Brewster Cogburn in True Grit remake, which was incredible, and he had never done that before, it was great. And was then cool he fr- he froze as Brewster Cogburn, and That's I love Jeff Bridges, but yep. it, it's interesting that he took on that type of thing in multiple roles after that. And I think he's been very good, but it, it is an odd thing that that's happened. And yeah, it was like a Ryan Reynolds becoming Deadpool and all of a uh-huh. sudden that's all you get. Yeah, it so, was interesting. Dan Wilder first before he was Deadpool. That's just Dan Wilder in a superhero body. Yeah, I watched that a movie very- with ron reynolds the other night safe house and i was like this dude's dead serious that man you didn't crack a joke oh, <laughs> at smoking all aces in very aces no jokes like that's you know? different yeah so anyway yeah. uh so i go ben foster over jeff bridges if we're voting on those two. that's fair yeah i mean i would yeah okay, okay. settles okay. that one so let's Ashton. battle moonlight Ooh, see I, this I, is I, another I, one third of the movie uh conundrum is. right that and that's a hard part for me is um and no offense to, I mean, Maher Ali won this, and he's a senior actor, and he's a fantastic person, but I think the person who has the hardest role in that movie, because he has to take the most sugar honey iced tea, is Ashton Sanders. And out of nowhere, where he's coming from, in that very difficult team part, um, hardest actions, hardest things he has to do, hardest th- emotions he has to weather, versus the cute little mentor part that Maher Ali is. And it doesn't help that we've seen him do the cute little mentor thing since. So, I I like Ashton Sanders. I might get outvoted, but that's my moonlight split there. Oh, Aaron! Aaron loves to be tiebreaker and hear all these these reasons. <laughs> I I I'm gonna side with Don on this one. I really am. I, okay. As much as Mahershala is is great and in, in, in the part that he does have, but I agree with some of the complexities. Uh, you know, like Don was saying and. And yeah, I just I think in this case, which I hate to take that away from, but I we can't ever. He did win the Oscar, but in this case, I'm I'm gonna side with Don. Good argument. Ooh, thanks. 
Uh-huh. Well, I guess it doesn't even matter. I'm not good. I don't even have to think about it. I just, dude. Where would you have went? <laughs> I think I probably would have gone Mahershal. Ashton's the middle chapter, the correct? Team, yeah, team chapter, yeah. middle chapter. Yeah. And that one is so resonant. Like, but I mean, they're all so good. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could also go, you know, the actor who's black in the, the third black is the name of the character and yeah uh, uh, the third uh, Tra- uh, Tra- Trayvon uh, yeah Rhodes like yeah. I mean he's Great every team. bit yeah. in my opinion mm-hmm. you know worthy of this as well I'd so, say what if Mahershala made it to chapter two and was still there trying to advise Teen Ashton to keep doing this role, I think that's a very good point too is Mahershala is, is truly a supporting piece to the story to the main character yeah. whereas Ashton is one of the three versions of the main character. So it's a pretty unique situation. I'll go. I mean, it doesn't matter, but I would go Ashton. I think I hadn't okay. even thought of him until you brought him into this. Right. Game. It's a great, I, but it's such why. a good deep pull, yeah. much like Issy Ogata. So let's yeah. put him in this mix. So I had forgotten about him completely and I'm not going to lie. I'll raise my hand and be honest in front of everybody here on the podcast and say, wasn't on my ballot. Don nominated him and I retroactively kicked off Lucas Hedges because I was blown away by Isio Gata and I hadn't even considered his performance, but it is brilliant in silence. It is very impactful and very memorable to the point where I would think of him when I think of that film in many ways. And so let's we've got Ben Foster, Foster Ashton Sanders, and Isio Gata. All right, then. Kevin, where are you at with those three? I mean, I know. <laughs> I I love Ben Foster, but I'm knocking him off this one. Okay, I'm sorry to say, Aaron. And I know. So, well, God, I, you know, so he's kills me. Whether I, think I, I know, me. I don't, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Right. So, right, right. I, okay. I shape Ben. I, same. I mean, I I know I harped on this, but like now that you have Izzy here, and now that you have Ashton coming on over here, what's the most unique, challenging part? And it's again, ben it's Ashton. Third there. It's Ashton. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Ashton playing a third of a main mm-hmm. character, I think. Yeah. So I would vote Ashton in this category. Oh, we're going all the way to the end? Yeah. Ashton over Issy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would too. And I hadn't thought about it that way but until we had this conversation. And yeah, I, I think I would also. Look at that. And a nominee out of wow. nowhere compared to other right. people. Who That's... Like, Ashton never made conversation for this film. And look at him go, you know? Yeah, that's really awesome, and that's part of the joy of doing it this way. Yeah. And I feel like that guy's got a—he's going to have a career. He's—he's he's been able to get some stuff since. I know Gata Pie is like a one-hit wonder, and we love everybody loves the villain. But uh, Ashton, man, like you said, peace will That's the—I think that's the tiebreaker part of it. Sounds good to me. So we'll go Ashton wow. Sanders as our best supporting actor. Okay. Best actor, we oh. have Andrew Garfield in Silence, Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Denzel and Fences, Ryan Gosling in La La Land, and Tom Hanks in Sully. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Is there somebody you immediately <laughs> shave? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Tom Hanks in Sully. Easily. I, I, it's I'm not even going to. I, I don't. I just, I mean, I completely agree. Sorry. Like, yeah, I don't even want to spend time no. arguing. It's over the All American it. guy playing the All American <laughs> part. It's Go so ahead, easy. Kevin. It's, it's a golf putt for him. <laughs> That's no fine. difficulty. It's fine. I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to. Because I'm not going with Tom Hanks for best actor. I mean, as much as I love Tom Hanks, but okay, Andrew yeah. Garfield in Silence. He's another one one vote getter, and he's there because of that high vote from yeah. myself. I still think this is his best performance, and it's incredible. But 
apparently. I think it's his best performance too, but not against these other guys. Okay. Yeah, I'll tip my hat to that. It's his best. Terrible accent, but it's his best. Kevin's <laughs> thinking, I think. I I think he's thinking. That's it. <laughs> I it's a shame how little recognition silence gets right and and received in the actual Oscars. It's kind of mind blowing. So Yeah. I, I I don't I think that uh yeah, I I that's just my view overall on silence as a whole. But yeah, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Andrew Garfield up there so we can drop him. Okay. okay. So we got Casey, Denzel, and Ryan, which is the three that were really Ooh. competing for this for real anyway. And it's a very challenging thing. I'm gonna drop Ryan. He was yep. the one Favorite out of all of Favorite. Favorite. Ryan is gonna say yep. go ahead. So then we go with Denzel. He's incredible. Ryan Gosling. I, I just mean, watched Crazy is. Stupid Love yeah. the other night. Like, oh, he he's could so do, good in that. But he it's do anything. the same. It's so much. Clo- it's so close to the same part. Like that's. It is. It is yeah, in I so mean, many ways. Kinda, in a way, I, I know it's a little different. Crazy, too. Yeah. I love them both. Obviously yeah. love them both. But of course, of course. When we're talking so. like iconic, memorable acting, yeah. acting mm. with a capital No, right. A. I, I, yeah. You can't put them up there. So I'm going to say. That for me, it is Casey. I think Casey's had a career full of incredible films and is worthy for almost any of them. I think Denzel's worthy for almost any of them. So you're really putting up two of the generational talents Mm -hmm. against each other. And I think that Casey is less big and more nuanced to the point where he is just as emotionally effective and powerful as Denzel is while Denzel is going big. And yeah. I know that the part calls for it. So I'm not, yeah. you know, they both, they're both aces. They're top two here, but I slightly go Casey Affleck. I'll, I'll be, I'll let Kevin be a tiebreaker here. I'm a Denzel Washington guy here. It's let, let the big dog eat. Like they say in silly things in baseball movies and stuff, but that's the big guy doing the big part as big as it could ever be in a, in a very powerful part in a very powerful film. And I'm what I'm as much as we do career and resume awards and things like that, but it's also the same time of like, then Denzel is one of those people to me that I, that not to almost to a Meryl Streep level, the guy could win every time he's out. Um, if I'm revising Oscars, he wins for flight. If I'm revising Oscars, he wins for this. Like the guy would have, Fill the man's mantle. He's the best of his generation. Hard to go opinion. up against Denzel, right? Yeah, but if you're going to go up against Denzel on, on his one of his best days, here comes I get it. Here comes Casey Affleck doing easily the best thing he's ever done. So Kevin, I'll let you tie break. I'll I'll give Washington a vote, but I'll let you tie break. Well, I yeah, you guys have said it very well. Both of you make great cases, and uh, I think Denzel in Fences is phenomenal, and uh, you know it feels big because. One, that's that play going to the screen because it's a big role written for a play. But, however, even though it's a big role, I do think it translated very well to the screen. I don't think that it felt too big. I don't think that it felt silly. I think he knew what he was in. And uh, I that performance is incredible. And I'm going to go Denzel. Wow. Ooh. Okay. All right. Cool. Okay. I, and here, no shade, I, guess... I love Casey Affleck, too. Sure. I mean, like, seriously, a, a ghost story. Could... I think one thing for Casey for me, where I, it fell down, because I had Casey too on my ballot, where I, when I think of like replaceable actors, like we've talked about in other categories, I could see other people doing that Casey part and doing it pretty darn good justice, whereas I don't have another person 
that can do the Denzel part. Wow. At least in that film, in that spot. Yeah, uh, it, it yeah. is phenomenal. I remember watching that movie with, and again with Viola's performance, and just like aghast, like the yeah. the acting going on in that film. I mean, that movie touched me. I thought he was incredible. I mean, directing wise, and mm-hmm. you know, it just well, the whole there's thing. There's a segue if right? I ever needed one. <laughs> yeah, so here we go. Denzel Washington for best actor, <laughs> and uh-huh. the best director category is next. We're down to our top two, and. For the nominees and best director, we had Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. And then we had the three Ds. We had Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Denis Villeneuve for Arrival, Denzel Washington for Fences, and squeaking in there on the coattails of one single vote, Pablo Lorraine for Jackie. And this is just because that uh, was definitely not you or me. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I'm always uh, I get that if he's the easiest shave, I get it. I love his style of films. You know, the um, it's not a walk and talk, but the way he can kind of follow and extend scenes that mm-hmm. move, and they're also freezy with emotion and his ability to write female characters and direct female characters and to orchestrate that history and make you really believe it. Uh, I I was super impressed by Father Rain's thing, but in this category, yeah, I know I'm gonna get out there, and that's okay. But you know, Don, I, I mean, this is totally, this is a different year, but I thought that his work with Spencer was... Beyond uh, for me. Sorry. Oh, well, I I mean, I kind of am on yeah. board with you too, but I still think as far as like writing for a female character mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah. directing Kristen Stewart and getting that performance, and yeah. I, I, to me, I think Spencer is above Jackie, cause, but Jackie didn't work for me, so sure. anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm totally good with knocking. I mean, I I like the film. Actually, I like Jackie way better than Spencer as a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think that his direction is much better in Jackie too because it's mm-hmm. not. I just Harder part. I like the style in, in Spencer's. Well, yeah. anyway, we're not debating that. I don't That's think cool. he comes close to these other four personally. I agree. So we have to knock somebody off this pedestal, and these are four incredibly worthy people. I. So- I, I know who I'm shaving next. Okay. And, and it's Denzel Washington. Because okay, we just why? gave him the Oscar for actor. Can't give him two. Sorry. Oh. I can't. <laughs> Kevin's going to be Kevin. This is so, <laughs> this no, is I so mean, wrong. I, but, but, I, but I do get why he's there. Because, like, yeah. he doesn't direct often. But when he does, man, he, he uncorks it. You know? And, and it's um, not always easy to direct yourself. Correct. Right? Like, it, it, I mean, the performance he gives, and he made those choices, and yeah. he didn't have someone else directing him. And it paid off because sure. they were the right instincts as an actor and as a director. Now, here's where I'll shave it, though. And it goes back to that screenplay notion of it's the in-betweens. Like, Denzel has to get sit there, hit that mark, put the camera in the right spot, and get a performance. Whereas the, some of these other technicians have to do song and dance and sci-fi and, and just go to other places. So, I, yeah, I can't. For volume of work, so to speak, I'll, I'll, I put Denzel lower than the other couple. I definitely here. would would knock off Denzel next. And then I would also knock off Denis Villeneuve and bring this down to the two that it was between at the Oscars, which was Damien okay. Giselle and Barry Jenkins. And I think that Denis is great in this movie. And I think that Arrival is a fantastic film, but there's just a lot about this that I don't see as being transcendent in the way that what Barry mm-hmm. Jenkins accomplished and what Giselle accomplished is. I think that there's something lasting and more meaningful and deeper and right. just a, a much 
you know, higher level of impact on me personally on those other two films. And so I would knock off Denis Villeneuve next. Kevin, do you have a you you have a little bit of a look on your face? Yeah, it's no, it's tough. It's fair. I get what you're saying. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm good with with uh, knocking a rival off. And I, I, I do think because he's made so many great films, and we've got, we have, you know, the privilege of seeing the past and the future as we're discussing this year. And I think a lot of the success of these films hinges on him as a director. I do think he's a visionary, and. Uh, if he isn't making the same movie with the same script and the same actors, I do think that you're going to lose something. So it's it's just hard for me to knock him off when I know mm-hmm. how good of a director he is, and I do think he has a large impact on these other things. Third place um, in an entire year of movies. Yeah, but that's what we're saying. That's <laughs> no what we're saying, here. right? Yeah. I, you know, directing wise, managing a musical, uh, all these different relationships, and the the technical side of it and also delivering that script. I mean, I know this is the writing category, but with all the hats that uh, Chazelle is juggling there and everything, I think I'm going to tend to go La La Land on this one. Me too. Oh, it's a no brainer for me. I I mean, I think, I think Jenkins is phenomenal and I would honestly Mm. say in almost any other year, I would probably like, I've looked at who's won things in coming years and I would have probably put Jenkins over them for Moonlight. But for me, yes, you watch the special features on La La Land and you understand the vision that took place in order to craft this and people will look mm. at it. Some it's it's critics will look at it and be like, oh, it's just homage. But the way he elevates Mm-mm. and That's brings right. back for a modern take and a modern era and the way it weaves itself together perfectly. That is the movie that touched the public's heart that year. That's the pre you know non-blockbuster version of a spider-man that everybody Mm -hmm. remembers that now not everybody has even seen moonlight still unfortunately but like this is the kind of movie that is so wide reaching and it's all because of his vision it's it's just a singular and and it's all his that's another part like i I know you like you said kevin we're not technically counting that he wrote it but like barry jenkins is adapting someone else's work as well and so there's a little bit more personality that gets infused into the direction of La La Land. I think it's, it's Damien through and through. And Mm -hmm. you just know that he's in every single little detail and beat in in part of that film. So I I guess I'm preaching now because we both all, we all said, we knew where you were going, Aaron, but uh, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Now those are good reasons. I was almost ready to shave Jenkins back the same time I did Washington where it's a, I'm not saying it's a play, but it, it's with all the movie. Like I've been advertising, all the moving parts and things you have to do. Uh, degree of difficulty goes to Chazelle over Jenkins. Okay. Yeah. Best picture. Here we go. All right. So best picture after best director goes to Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Now comes the big daddy and the the hard calls. I'm not going to try to do this. This I won't guess be I'm, hard. I am going to try. Okay. So we have. Arrival, Fences, Heller High Water, Jackie, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, A Monster Calls, Silence, and Moonlight. And I know I've got some of those out of order, so I'm just going to read okay. them all. You did good. So, and your name. Sorry. So, so here we go. So, Arrival, oh Arrival, Fences, Silence, Jackie, A Monster Calls, Manchester by the Sea. Moonlight, La La Land, Hell or High Water, and Your Name. 
the ones that need to be there are there. So agreed. That's not, you know, I mean, we're talking about nine or ten movies, and that's wow. what really set me off on the best first favorite thing because it's like, you know, at five, six, seven, eight, these are all great films already, yeah. but they're interchangeable at that point, and then you get to like the top ones. That's where it's going to get difficult. Okay, big shave time though. I'm going to offer three quick ones. Um, a Monster Calls, darling film, not okay. on the class of the other ones. I love a Monster Calls. It was my number three, but I, it just that no, your name. Also, fine film. It has it one word deserves to go. You kind of have to play with the big boys here. It is a generation generationally powerful movie, but man, not in this year of film where these the live action things beat it. So that's two. And then, oh, I'm a hell or high water hater, but I'm I'm not going to be that mean. Um, Fences is a performance and screenplay based movie, not the best picture of the year. There's three quick shapes I will nominate right there for you. I'll agree with those just to get them off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where'd you go, Aaron? I can only hear you. Darn. I would agree with A Monster Calls and with Fences, and I will reluctantly get outvoted that it is what it is. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, if I have, to, I mean, this is a lot. We're talking. Yeah. If I, I know. eventually I had to shave it anyway. Yeah. That's so, yes. what I'm saying. Really, the top three, I mean, that's the, these are interchangeable, but. Okay, so oh, so let's just do it the easier way then. So if okay. you're saying top three, I'm assuming Put you're our saying three votes in. Moonlight, okay, top three. La La Land, and what, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, I have a different answer than you will. So. I know that's why I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting Hell or High Water in the top okay. three. So Don, what's your top three? The one that won't beat Hell or High Water is Jackie. <laughs> and I'm Jackie, a, I'm a massive Jackie fan. And so. my top three now. Yeah, let's hear yours because you just killed one of them. Is okay. Moonlight, La La Land, and Hell or High Water. Okay, so fine. Oh, Jackie's gone. Top. Yeah, fine with me. Hell or High Water. Can we lose Hell or High Water since Don is not uh-huh. with us? Just I put think. it down to the two that were, they yeah. got it right, the top two. <laughs> they so did. Just do it. They did. Okay, <laughs> now somebody else talk because I don't uh, want to deal with this. Oh, I, yeah. I was I, um, all right. All right. Uh, normally I would try to help this, but I can't. Um, When Moonlight won, and in the shocking moment that it did, I understood why it did because you have some chances with not only do you have chances with awarding quality film and awarding um craft and all that, you also have you're also awarding you're also kind of awarding that prestige, you're awarding that resume, you're awarding kind of that it's you're you're building legacies there, and when you build a legacy on a small character piece with big themes, big messages, and minority voices. I get that. I, I get why that's a huge win, a statement win, a deserving win. The thing's going to get a criterion spine someday, and I understand why, you know? And, however, it's that the spot. Like, you can give that, you can give that screenplay, you can honor its actors, and is that still the, tr- the place it should be the best picture? And that's where I get to the volume of the again degree of difficulty on the larger things in play, and at some point, I admit I'm a traditional Oscar voter that goes the other way and says, you know what, I'd still vote for Dances with Wolves over over Goodfellas, and I'm I'm that person where sweep is a thing and sweep is a value. Marvelland has that more than me. Um, I'll I'm gonna let Aaron do the tiebreaker hard work on this one, and I'm gonna tell you right now i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it short and sweet and simple moonlight is the film that needed to win the oscar la la land 
La La Land did not need the Oscar win. La La Land is my one of my favorite films. It's one of my favorite musicals. You know, I've got I've uh, you know got the the signed vinyl like I was talking about earlier. I just bought the 4K Blu-ray. You know, I had the Blu-ray before that. All that stuff. I love La La Land, uh, but it's not hurting by losing an Oscar win. And, sure. and I think people need to see Moonlight because it's important. And it didn't affect me as much as La La Land did because of different reasons, right? Like, I love La La Land. I don't have the signed Moonlight vinyl, right? Like, I'm just saying, right. I, you know, I love La La Land so much. But Moonlight is a film that if it wins, it is deserving. There is technical merit, all those performances, everything about it. And the message it's saying is so important to where I think I have to go with the official choice. And I, I think I think this is the film that, needed the win to make an impact in the world and i think it's more important than just i love musicals and it's impressive and it's so great because la la land is but moonlight needed it i feel all of it kevin you nailed it man that's i appreciate all the reasons no 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 that is all the reasons why it it deserved to win how it did but man the feel this is feeling film and the feels got me. Aaron, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I'm damned if I do or do. I, if I choose La La Land, I'm a homer. Like anybody yes, who knows are. me, anybody who knows me is just going to be like, well, it doesn't matter what anybody else said. It, the, the facts don't matter. You just voted with your heart. I think that La La Land is the more perfect movie. I mm. think that Moonlight is everything you just said, Kevin. But I do not see a missed single beat in La La Land. Not a misplaced frame in pacing, in choice, in direction, in quality. There are moments here and there in Moonlight, just one or two, very brief in each section, that I kind of think, hmm, okay, when are we moving on? And I, I, they're number one and they're number two. And you cannot go wrong. And it would be really awesome to cheat and just say, let's give it a tie. (laughs) But I would not be true to what I honestly believe and think. And it's not just down to feeling. It is truly, I think, a masterpiece of craft from top to bottom in all aspects of every element of the film. I think there's a reason it is one of the most nominated movies in the history of the Oscars. From a technical standpoint, from an acting standpoint, direction, cinematography, it has every single box checked. Deserves has, every nomination. It does. That was and like Moonlight, 14 nominations, too. This is record tiebreaker. Re- record and Moonlight has a ton of them, too, and is worthy of yeah. all of the its as well. And that's why it's so hard. And so when you go culturally and you look back at, like, what do you want to be that representative film, mm-hmm. right? I don't think Moonlight deserves to win because it needed to win. I think, Don, you actually nailed more of the important thing, and that is it's a movie that deserves to be recognized with an elite Criterion edition that gets all kinds of publicity. But I think the movie that truly represented the film year in the eye of the entire public and critics combined, the movie that blew everyone away, that was so powerful and so wide-sweeping, and praised it has to be la la land because there's not a missed note in those groups you you united the people together and i think that that means a lot and 
that the Oscars don't award it often enough. Frankly, they they don't often give it that right. You know, like you could say Green Book is something that's like, oh, it's more accessible, but that's not a movie that won over critics and you know the general public together either. So just because it's accessible doesn't it's not like indie doesn't necessarily mean that either. But I I I have to go La La Land, and so call me whatever you will, listeners. I think most of you, if you're rational, understand that we love both of these films. Mm-hmm. I own both of, of these films. I watch both of these films probably every single year. Well, I do for sure. La La Land, I've watched Moonlight at least four or five times since it came out. So it is not a knock on it at all. But I think that La La Land is the more representative picture as a whole Ooh. of the year. And so wow. that's where I go. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good job over there, man. And my daughter <laughs> probably like disparent me. Is that a thing? Could she like... It's true. Like <laughs> breakers. The great thing about this is that no matter what happened in the real Oscars or our Oscars, these are two films that exist and are incredible and uh, deserve all the nominations, like we said, deserve all the accolades. And uh, when they didn't win in specific categories, that doesn't take anything away from them either. So both films deserving of recognition. And I, you know, I obviously love La La Land. So, um, you know, I, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. Okay, before I go over the long list of what won versus the Oscars, because I'm going to do that to wrap us up, any technical notes anybody wants to throw out there from just kind of highlights of the year that we didn't cover other categories? Don, I'll let you start. You raise your hand. I know you thought about this. Yeah, I'll throw out some rapid-fire kind of wild-card stumps. Um, I know OJ Made in America won Best Documentary, but I all felt like it cheated because it was super multi-part, and it kind of ended up on television, and they've changed the category since then. I adore life animated as a documentary i feel like it is the absolute reason that my site exists of every movie has a lesson because here's a kid who learned how to act and be because of a movie and i adore that aspect of it so that's one quick thing um i think audition was the better song in la la land than city of stars i I would have gave the best song to that at the city of stars and i have no idea how dr strange lost in visual effect that that stuff's crazy good yeah I, you know, I don't have, because like we mentioned earlier, the so many films that deserve to be recognized were, I think that the Academy voters nominated, a, a, you know, a good amount of films that I would have also agreed with. So I, I think they got pretty right. Um, I do think Lion and Silence were two that deserved more recognition. So I'm just going to sing those two films uh, praises. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great year of film. Yeah, I'm going to go and say, so I, think that from a documentary standpoint 13th is the one i remember the most and i would put it and life animated over oj made in america again because of the category kind of weirdness but 13th is like an all-time important Mm. and i think it's so much more impactful and more meaningful in what it tells in an hour and a half versus what oj takes like 10 hours to get through yes so that for me is there. Also in documentary, Tower was a late cut for me in animated film as well. Tower is an awesome documentary. I love animated documentaries. They're rare, but can be really great. I think that Audition as well was the better song for sure there. I think that we kind of went over this in acting a little bit, but really for Andrew Garfield, I just thought that Silence was the movie that was missing in the Oscars. It came out super late. Like Andrew got nominated for Hacksaw Ridge, I believe, yes, right. which is 
crazy. I mean, I like the movie, but my goodness, I would have never voted it for it. For that was the same. yeah. It should have been silence over Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. but it yeah. but it did come out too late that year from it an also FYC got standpoint. Best uh, sound mixing. This is when the sound awards were still separated. Arrival got sound editing. Hacksaw Ridge got sound mixing. I think that should have just been an Arrival sweep. I think it should always be the same movie, really. And yeah. it makes sense. Uh, Arrival's sound was incredible. And then it's pretty tough after that because all of the technical awards, like so many of them went to La La Land. Mm -hmm. Best editing went to Hacksaw Ridge as well. And I think that that's a little bit of a crazy. Edit, yeah. When your other categories, the other nominees were Arrival, Hell or High Water, La La Land, and Moonlight. So... La La I Land don't, for editing. Yeah, I don't understand Absolutely. how La La Land loses editing. I really not do that, not. <laughs> I mean, if you go small there, maybe Moonlight because of the triptych story you're trying sure. to put together. But La La Land, come on. This also was a year we only had three nominees in the categories for makeup and hairstyle. That's traditionally, is, unfortunately, been their thing. Yeah, it's kind of lame. Like, yeah, to tell me the that there weren't. Year? It was Suicide Squad, which won ah. and got its Oscar. A Man Called Ove and yeah. Star Trek Beyond, which I thought should have won it. I would have given it to Suicide Squad still. Fair. I'd go Star Trek. Mm. Just How do you feel about costumes? Costumes went to Fantastic Beasts over Allied, Florence Foster Jenkins, Jackie, and La La Land. See, I'm a Jackie guy there. Yeah, see, I'm I'm leaning Jackie or La La Land in that one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My fair. But I yeah, I think I just thought, you know, Fantastic Beasts is okay, it's fine. You know, like it's well, yeah. I I think that it's it's hard because we're so used to it you know it's just like saying like they make it look so easy uh, fantastic beast costumes are excellent but we've seen harry potter for a long time true and they've been excellent so long that it kind of numbs you to it so i they are deserving but it's also like they've been great i don't think any harry potter film won best costumes until the spinoff one of fantastic beast too like kind of odd you know, that that's the spot you throw it well, and I think that may be another case of like, how did we never recognize these? The world is so full of these yeah. incredible characters and costumes. And if if you didn't award those, I think they were kind of like, oh, we, we missed our chance. Oops. That's like me with visual effects in any of the Planet of the Apes movies the last decade. Like, come on. How do you not? Oh, well, yeah. agreed. Yeah. OK, well, this was great fun. This was a blast. Uh, real quick, I'll recap actual oscars compared with our oscars so for best picture actual oscar went to moonlight we went with la la land best animated film went to zootopia we went with your name best director same damien giselle la la land best actor oscars was casey affleck for manchester by the sea we switched that to denzel washington for fences best actress oscars went with emma stone for la la land we went with amy adams for arrival Best Supporting Actor went to Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. We switched that to Ashton Sanders for Moonlight. Best Supporting Actress went to Viola Davis for Fences. We gave it to Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. Best Original Screenplay went to Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, which I don't even think hit our nominations list. I think it made mine, maybe. It was, but, it was yeah. low and got knocked off before yeah. it didn't make the final five. We went with Taylor Sheridan's Hell or High Water, much to Dawn's chagrin. Best Adapted okay. Screenplay was the same, both for Barry Jenkins and Terrell, Alvin McCraney, and Moonlight. This was good Not stuff. Bad. So yeah. before I say goodbye, I got a question. How do you feel about, so this can be a regular occurrence as a five-year anniversary, which I think is good going about five years back because they're still pretty fresh. How do you right. feel about going further back? Is it doable to go, say, 10 years? Say So say mm -hmm. like, 
you know, with three or four months of prep notice so you guys can actually do some work <laughs> and look at it. Yeah. Would you want to get together in the summer and try this and say, do a, a 10 year anniversary? Yeah. I'd be, be fun. You've got legacies built there where if you do two episodes a year of a 10 and a five and you end up filling at some point, your 10 will catch your five, but that'll fill in the gap nicely. Well, okay. and also any following year will not have the controversy surrounding this year, like when it comes to the best picture. So this is a difficult one. This, this is definitely is really... one of the strongest years in recent memory, too. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Oh, Don's shaking. Oh, 2016 or well, you're talking 2021. I would this say is this, a super strong year. This yeah. is one of the strongest. 16 was one of the strongest yeah. oh, years absolutely. with regards to the Oscars yeah. getting it right. Agreed. Now, I think we can. I think most years will be strong once we ch- I think our nominees will be more different going into different years exactly uh so that'll be interesting okay cool so we'll try to we'll find some time in the summer um we'll just go ahead and know we're gonna do 10 years so we'll do 2012 and Mm -hmm. so you guys can mentally be doing your homework over the next few months with that said thank you for joining me i appreciate this was a blast uh this was super last notice so extra thank (laughs) you for your both like within like a weekend's notice throwing this together and coming on i'm very appreciative of that let me give you a chance to tell people where they can find your work, uh, to read it, listen to it, et cetera. Kevin, why don't you go first? Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. And uh, speaking with you gentlemen, you made some great arguments. So it was it was a, a blast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. That's my main social media outlet, uh, at Kevin R. Brackett, Brackett with two Ts. And my show is Real Spoilers. And we pretty much spoil the newest, biggest movie of each weekend. So uh, we try to guess which will be the most popular. That way we can have the most discussion with our listeners. Uh, we think of it as kind of a book club for movies. So kind of like, uh, you know, back in the olden days when people would get together in real life and after they see a movie, get a drink or whatever, you know. Uh, we try to do that so we we the following week after each big movie release we'll get together our our three friends and some guests uh, from time to time and we'll just spoil a movie we're talking about the whole plot what worked what didn't it's not a real technical type of discussion we you know it's a casual conversation between friends so you can follow at real spoilers on twitter uh, but we're more active as a community on facebook so uh, follow real spoilers and we have a group called the league of show sharers aptly made uh, in hopes that people will share the show once they listen so i hope you guys uh, check it out that are uh, listening to me for the first time on this show and uh, give us a chance second time second time technically you, oh, were with, well, you did well, midway you did midway yeah with me. but this, this <laughs> the, yeah i guess i was thinking that this was a little bit of a special shoot off so it is it is that's, that was my only thing <laughs> but yes no, no no not on feeling film in general right uh but yeah thanks for thanks for having me on again guys it was fun don where can people find you uh, every movie has a lesson is the term to search for online between dot com or Twitter or Facebook. Um, my work gets published on 25YL, uh, which is a more complicated thing to find, but also really good. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes Banana Meter. Uh, it's been fun to rock all those different things. And uh, this, and lastly, would be the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast, which is uh, you can find on Apple, Spotify and all the places you find your favorite shows. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of FF Plus. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please come find us. On all of our social channels, you can find the ones for myself and for Feelin' Film in the show notes. Come to the Facebook group, come to Twitter, come to Repod, but let us know what you thought about this episode. We know you're going to have thoughts, so <laughs> feel free to tag us all on Twitter and yell at us. Direct or them to whatever. Aaron. Yeah, if mm-hmm. you have a problem, <laughs> all his fault. come correct is all I'm saying. If you have a problem, that's fine, but come with some backup. I want to know why you disagree and why something is not worthy and something else is more worthy. So that's the only 
request I make is that if you're going to disagree with this, you can't just be like, oh, you idiots, this is not the best picture. You need to tell me why it wasn't and what was instead. That's all I ask. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll be back soon. Till next time, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.